0: Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Takovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Takovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more.
1: The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast.
2: hello everybody welcome to the pope and young podcast this is jason roundsville i am joined today as always by my co-host dylan ray and we have a special guest we have an alaska girl just recently transplanted to arizona Uh, she's one of our our magazine writers for the ethic so if you haven't seen the ethic now's now's your chance you need to definitely definitely look at it so anyway welcome johnny marie welcome for to the podcast thank you <laughs> how, how does it feel to be in in arizona instead of alaska <laughs> in january
3: <laughs> um it's a big change i keep um so i've only been down here for three years and i keep the alaska weather app on my phone all the time so i can see how cold it is there compared to here um uh, i'm in northern Arizona and I'm up at about 6,000 feet. So we do get snow and it does get cold, but it's nothing like um, growing up in Alaska.
2: <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, the bears are probably a little friendlier in Arizona.
3: <laughs> yeah. But the snakes, I, ugh.
2: <laughs> that's oh, something used to. Yes. Use to. <laughs> I'm
3: not
2: a, I'm not a snake fan. So I, I would take yeah, bears I'm- over snakes any day.
3: Yeah, exactly. You can, you can see a bear coming and I know bear behavior. I know what they're going to do, but snakes freak me out. They can sneak up on you. That, <laughs> that's not for me.
2: Yeah. I lived in Northern California, um, years ago, um, just outside of Redding and I had one summer, I killed nine rattlesnakes in my driveway oh,
0: man. and that's that awful. was,
2: uh, yeah, I don't like snakes, not a big fan
3: the area of Northern Arizona that I happen to live in, um, is known for green Mojave rattlesnakes, which are even worse than regular diamondback rattlesnakes. So green Mojave have both kinds of venom, um, hemotoxin hematoxin and uh, neurotoxin. And, um, so they're just the deadliest you can get. And so, uh, we killed quite a few of those, um, last summer and that's, that's pretty freaky.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's like a rattlesnake wasn't deadly enough. You you need an extra deadly rattlesnake.
1: I don't want to show how redneck I am, but uh, on a hunt last year in Texas, we actually ate some rattlesnakes, and it was very, very good. Um, However, (laughs) where we were hunting, we were were so far from any medical help uh, that the outfitter was saying, basically, if you get bitten, uh, you can guarantee on $40,000 because they have to fly you in fly you out and i yeah. guess the the anti-venom shot is a very expensive shot in and of itself so like if you get bitten and want to live you're looking at forty thousand dollars
2: and i'm like good lord
3: yeah crazy <laughs>
2: i'd pay that yeah <laughs> uh, yeah that's see when i was in botswana that that was one of the things on the uh, snakes they said hey if you get tagged by a snake it is critical that you see what bit you and i'm like what if I get hit by a snake, why do I care what kind of snake it was? And he says, because it's yep. a puff adder. He said, you're going to lose your leg, but we'll save your life. He said, if it's a mamba, he said, you got 30 minutes. There's no, you're gone. Oh, and I said, okay, that's good to know.
3: I went to Africa too. And we had, um we saw several black mambas and we actually had one try to sneak into the lodge. Well, he was actually going into my room and, um, the the lady that worked there was coming down the hallway. She started throwing stuff at him and he turned and went out of the, of the lodge and they ended up shooting him out there. He's he's huge. And um, they were saying the same thing, you know, they're like, if he would have bit you, that would have been it because we can't get medical help here fast enough to save you.
2: Yeah. It's um, it makes you rethink a little bit. And those things are tall. I mean, when they're going through, they're not, you know, you think of our snakes and they're just on the ground And we saw, I don't fortunately I only saw one, well we saw two, one was dead in the road and the other one, I mean, it was as tall, we're riding around in the truck and it dang near came into the cab of the truck. So it's not like it's just sitting around on the ground. This thing was, I mean, you know, five feet tall. It's like, that's, that's not (laughs) what you want. Yeah, if you see your trackers all of a sudden just scatter and start running everywhere, you know that there's a snake because that's the only reason yeah. those guys move that fast. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't love snakes. <laughs> but, uh, so Arizona, so the rest of Arizona, so you're up up high, so it's not so blasted hot then. So yeah. that's got to be nice.
3: Yeah, rarely, where I'm at, it rarely gets to 100
2: yeah that's when i was in california it was man you got to know what 114 was and it's it's no good i got up one morning to go fishing and it's still dark outside and so you know i'm wearing shorts and flip-flops but i put on a little windbreaker because it's you know four o'clock in the morning i'm gonna go hook the boat up and as i walk outside it was i think it was still 92 and it was just <laughs> yeah. like man if it's 92 and it's not even light out i I'm not even, I didn't, I didn't go fishing. It was too hot. So, well, tell us, Johnny, tell us about, I, now I know you write the adventure bow column for the ethic. How did you get started doing that for us?
3: So I think, um, I think this is my seventh year writing that, um, column. So, um, I owned, uh, uh my husband and I owned an archery store in Alaska for um, seven years um, in Anchorage. So it's was a um, large archery retail store. We had an indoor range, you know, techno, TechnoHunt, Leagues, um, all that stuff. And um, so I kind of came to Pope and Young through owning that store and just being involved in the archery community. And, um, I, you know, I'm not exactly sure how it started. I think just at, at one point... Um, Maybe they had done some articles on us in like Aero Trade magazine and uh, on our store and on Dave and I. Um, and I think someone from Pope and Young had contacted me. And um, I'm not sure what my first article was. Maybe like a moose hunt or something. And um, and I wrote one. And then um, the editor at that time asked me if I'd want to continue doing it. And then um, as the editors have changed over the years, I've just stayed on and. Gotten along with everybody really well and, um, just had lots to say, I guess. So it just kept on going.
2: (laughs) Well, that's great. Now, how did you get into owning an archery shop? Was that on your list? You're like, you know what in life I need to own an archery shop or just kind of come together.
3: (laughs) I think it was on Dave's list. Um, so, um, it was something that he'd always wanted to do. He's from Pennsylvania and he had moved to Alaska um, originally because he, um, wanted to hunt bigger, bigger animals. He wanted to hunt different animals. And so he had moved to Alaska really just for hunting. Um, we met and got married and we were, you know, not working in the outdoor field at all. I was a, um, HR director for a hospital. He was, um, working as a transmission mechanic, but it was something that he always wanted to do. And he really felt like, From what he had grown up around in Pennsylvania, all the archery stores and things, he just felt like um, Anchorage didn't have the same thing that he was used to growing up. And he felt like there was a need there. And so um, when we first opened it, we actually kept our regular jobs and we were running the archery store. And it was only him and I working there. We would switch off whoever was at work. We were working seven days a week. And um, we did that for several years before we went um, all out and went full time with it. Um, so yeah, it was kind of his dream and and that I hooked on to.
2: (laughs) Nice. So are you, are you going to do that again in Arizona?
3: No. (laughs) So we did that, um, you know, full time up there for a number of years and, um, and really enjoyed it. But, um, we, when I got diagnosed with my disease, um, I was given a really Uh, bad I don't know what you know about that but I was given a really short amount of time um, that I had left and so we decided to um, to sell the archery store and if I if I only had you know two years left we had a lot of things we wanted to to do and we didn't want to spend it working and so um, we sold the archery store and then I found out there was a specialist The number one specialist in the world on my disease is at the Mayo Clinic in Scottsdale. And so I started coming down here for treatments. And he, um, you know, through that process said, you know, you're going to have a lot longer. These are the things we can do. You know, the doctors in Alaska were not um, totally correct. And so through that process, I realized that I wanted to live closer to the kind of medical care that could extend my life. And so we moved here and absolutely. So, um, I, I, I own, a I um, I own my own clothing company. It's a women's adventure wear line. So it's, um, active wear inspired by the outdoors. So hunting, fishing, camping, hiking, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I'm able to, to work from home. I design everything myself and, um, and able to deal with different aspects of the disease by um, through that process and through being close to, to the Mayo Clinic.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. It's the one thing that you learn when you have to deal with, with health issues. And I, you know, growing up, I never realized this. You're like, Oh wow, this person's a doctor. They must be really smart doctors are just like bow hunters or anything else. Some bow hunters are better than others. And some doctors are just flat out better than others. They're not all created equal. And so um, I've had some friends where they were going in for stuff and I was like, find yourself the best one you can find, which it sounds like you've done.
3: Yeah. It's a process and you really have to be your own advocate. I mean, I really learned that throughout this process that I can't cure the disease. It's incurable and it will eventually take my life, but um, it destroys a lot of my internal organs, like my lungs and my kidneys and my circulation, my heart and my esophagus. And so I'm constantly dealing with issues from that. But if you have a doctor that can, um, that's open to your, your own research and your own input and takes that, um, a better human connection with you, kind of working with you as a partner rather than dictating to you, um, then I think that, you know, you can, um, you can overcome a lot.
2: Yeah. And what, what is the, the disease? Do you mind sharing with us?
3: No. Yeah. Um, so it's systemic sclerosis. Um, so that, um, like I said, it uh, attacks a lot of your internal organs and destroys them. So like I only have like 78% of my lung capacity left. And, and now that it's damaged my lungs, I'll never get that back. So my goal is to stop it from getting worse, but I can never get back what I've lost. Um, and it creates additional um, conditions. So I have some, you know, mast cell activation disorder um, issues and LPR, which is a um, esophagus issues with my esophagus being partially paralyzed. And um, I have massive um, circulation issues. I have severe renades in my hands and feet and face, which is really difficult to deal with as a hunter, uh, as well as the lung capacity issues. Um, and, uh, but the, the goal now is to, to try to slow it down or to even try to push myself into remission, um, uh, to, you know, stop the damage basically is the goal.
2: <laughs> gotcha. Wow. Well, wh- what I'm hearing there is, bravery and not excuses because you're still out getting it done in the outdoors. So for anybody listening Thanks. that has that excuse, get off the camera and go get it done. <laughs> Thank you. So speaking of that, what is on your list? What's the next, I'm, I know you've, you've bow all over the world. What is the next thing on your list that you're checking off?
3: So, um, it's archery mule deer season here right now. Um, it's the rut right now. Um, so, um, that's what we've been getting after. Um, it's like I said, we're in Northern Arizona. We're at a higher elevation. So it is pretty cold here. We've had some snow today. It's so foggy. I can't even see, you know, 15 feet out my window and it's in the thirties, um, um, so that's a bit of a challenge with the the circulation stuff for me, but, um, we are trying to get after mule deer. Um, I don't know if you've done a lot of spot and sock deer hunting, but it's, (laughs) it's not easy. So no tree stands, no, um, blinds, no baiting, none of that, just spot and sock. So it's fun, but, um, it's super hard. The ground is crunchy here and there's, sometimes there's not a lot of cover and it's, it's tough to get up on them. So we're doing that right now. Um, I had several hunts lined up that, um, have been canceled now because of COVID stuff. So I was supposed to go to um, New Zealand to do a red stag hunt, which is my bucket list, um, archery hunt. And that got canceled because you have to quarantine for a week, even when you first get there, um, no matter what. And, um, anyways it's just it's too complicated and then i had a um i was taking a group of ladies to um canada to do a black bear hunt um with my friends who own top of the flyway outfitters up there and um that also had to get canceled because of covid so covid's really messing up my hunting right now
2: (laughs) yeah it's i you know i second that because i'm supposed to be at uh shot an SCI this week and it, it, I caught it at ATA. And so I'm, I'm sitting in, in the home office instead. So I know that's a lot yeah. smaller than, than international hunts, but it's, it's messed up a bunch of stuff for a lot of people. Oh
3: so yeah. I'm for, ready sure. for it to be Even to. just with my disease right now, I can't go get on a plane because I'm too, I'm a super high risk um because of my immune system and everything. So, um, so I can't go hop on a plane even to go to another state. So um, I'm pretty, I'm kind of limited.
2: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes it tough. So our um, just blows my mind that there's, there's a rut hunt in January. I looked into that um, (laughs) a few years ago and I was just kind of reading through some stuff. And uh, one of the outfitters that we've worked with a little bit, had sent an email out about a January you know cows deer mule deer combo or mule deer rut hunt combo and I'm like that's just I'm like what else are you gonna hunt in January and then I started looking at scheduling it and it was like okay I have this show and then that show and then this show and then that show and I'm like that's basically January so I will not be doing that hunt in Arizona in the near future but it sure looks exciting the, the NDA
1: put out a study, um, like South, South Mexico deer will pretty much rut all year long. Um, they'll just go in and out of rut all year long. Um, so you can pretty much find them in the rut any month of the year. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah. The,
3: um, I don't know if you, you know, follow the Arizona deer stuff, but, um, we, it's been a tough year. So, um, we have August, We have a season in August and then we have, um, you know, uh, part of December and then January. And for a lot of the units around me, so generally I hunt like unit 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Those are kind of the ones around me. Um, most of those were closed for December because the deer population is so low or it's so down in these areas. Mm. Um, right now we've been having a lot of problems. And so um, our December season in all the units that I like to hunt, wasn't open. Um, so that was really disappointing. And, um, you could hunt down South, you know, down along the border was all open. Um, but that's like a, you know, five hour drive, um, to get down there for me. So, um, so we didn't hunt up here in December. And so now it it feels like a short season because we just have January and a couple of the units that I really like to hunt are still closed for January um, so it's, it's limited a little bit. And now that we've been out there, um, hunting, um, we're seeing just less does less bucks. It's been, it's been thinner. So it's been kind of a, a tougher season up here. Um, I heard in from friends that down in Southern Arizona, it's been good, but up here, it's been a little rough.
2: And so is that, uh, is mule deer, is that one of your favorites to chase?
3: Um, well, it's new to me. So, um, I, I really had not, I'm not, I haven't done much deer hunting. I was born and raised in Alaska. You know, I, uh, bear is the main thing that I've probably, you know, hunted. I've taken a lot of black bears and a brown bear with my bow and, um, I, um, hadn't done any deer hunting. You know, the only deer that we have in Alaska would be, you know, down like in the, the Kodiak area, Raspberry Island, you know, down there. Um, Uh, Sitka deer. And, um, and that's quite a trip, pretty expensive trip to get out of Anchorage and go down there. And I never had done that. So, um, so I hadn't deer hunted at all. I did my first whitetail hunt was um, two years ago in Oklahoma. Um, And I got a small uh, buck and a doe there. So those were my first deer and then, um, and then mill deer hunting here. So this is really pretty new, you know, to me. So we're kind of just Figuring it out, we got here and we started hunting everything like we were hunting moose <laughs> and 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 had to kind of adjust our um, style of hunting because it's just everything's different. So we're kind of just figuring it out.
2: Yeah. So you killed a brown bear with your bow before you killed a deer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's you know, standard standard bow hunting, you know, progression. I might get a brown bear and then you know what? Next year I'd like to try deer hunting. So
3: I know people think it's weird. The other thing that's kind of weird about me is I don't gun hunt. So I, you know, people are like, but, but how many deer, or, you know, how many moose have you gotten with a gun? And I'm like, "None. I just bow hunt. I just decided I wanted to bow hunt and started bow hunting. So I never started with a gun and moved to a bow. I just started with a bow and went for it.
2: There you go. That's, you know, nothing like (laughs) just starting off with the challenge. I'm going to take something that's difficult. And make it even more difficult just for the fun of it <laughs> that's uh yeah I, i'm I'm on the west coast so I've grew up you know deer hunting Columbia blacktail and mule deer so it's that's kind of what I was used to that and elk and uh, yeah bear is something we just just had uh, Chris on oh last week and uh, talking about trad hunting grizzlies and that's just mind-blowing for me
3: yeah i haven't um i do shoot i have a longbow and a recurve both that i shoot and i've um only done small game hunting with them and birds I've, sh- I've shot birds in small game but um i would like to take a that's actually what i was going to do in canada on this trip that i was supposed to go on was i was gonna do black bear with my recurve well, actually, it's my father's recurse. So my father passed away just a few years ago. And um, I thought it would be cool to take a black bear with his bow. Just kind of. like Absolutely. And, uh, and so that was disappointing that that got canceled.
2: Yeah. Well, hope, hopefully you'll be able to get those back on the books. Yeah. For, <laughs> for this, uh, the next. Now, is there a chance you can get up there for this spring? or is it the,
3: I don't know. It's, it's issues with the border um, being able to, um, to get into Canada. Um, So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, what's going to happen with that. It seems like, you know, every time you think things are one way they're they change a week later. So it's hard to make any plans right now with all the weirdo COVID stuff.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it really is. And it's, um, as I've traveled a little bit recently, it's, it's interesting how in one place, you know, you walk into a store and everybody's wearing a mask and then you fly three hours and, and you know, nobody's wearing a mask and it's everything yeah. is so different wherever you go.
3: Yeah, the, the town I live in, we never had mask mandates, so um, there's no one's ever worn masks here. I think I've worn a mask like three times since the whole thing started. Of course, I mainly just live life outdoors so i'm not really out with people
2: yeah <laughs> yeah here we still have mask mandates and in, in oregon you're oh. still if you're indoors you're supposed to be wearing a mask and i it's it's to the point now where people are just tired of it so they just don't do it but it was yeah when it first came around it, people were militant about it they were they would run up and scream at you if you didn't have a mask on i would see you know.
3: that I would see that on the internet and I'm like, you know, I never experienced that here. So I'm like, wow, people
1: are nuts. I saw a thing, Jason, and it said, uh, it said, if COVID hasn't changed the way you live, then you're probably a true outdoorsman. So it sounds like she's a true outdoorsman because (laughs) it didn't change anything about her life.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
3: It hasn't
2: changed anything. (laughs) You know, I'm a little jealous about that because it's changed my... and I'm, I'm kind of, if somebody approaches me and they're nice about it and say, sir, you know, it's a requirement. Could you please put on a mask? You know, if they're nice, I'll wear one, but man, if they're not, I, I don't feel the need to be nice to them back. And it's, yeah. Yeah. It, anyway, that's, that's a whole nother, a whole nother episode
3: it does, it does. Of,
2: of masks. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, the sad thing is I used to wear a mask when I was, uh, cause I'm on a few acres here. So when I mow, I used to wear a mask just so I'm not inhaling all of that dust. And now I don't even like to mm-hmm. wear a mask when I'm doing that, even though it's probably good for me because I don't want the neighbors to yeah. take am some kook out by myself outside wearing a mask. <laughs> so next issue, the ethic is coming up. What, what's your next article going to be about?
3: Um, well, it, I was, I'm working on an article, um, which is about this current, um, archery mule deer season and, um, about the deer population and about some of the issues that we have happening here right now. So there's, um, some things going on with them trying to get predator hunting shut down for mountain lion and bear and bobcat. Um, so some of those Um, issues but um if i don't if i don't pull it together here real quick it's not going to be a harvest article it's just going to be a hunting article because i haven't gotten anything yet
2: yeah so well you know what there's that's why they call it hunting instead of just harvesting sometimes that happens and so so arizona they're having some issues with their deer population so they think the uh the best way to help their deer herds is by not predator hunting and applying more pressure to the deer herds through predators. That's their fix.
3: I'm not sure if it's, I need to research a little bit more. Just um, yesterday, a podcast came out with um, someone from Arizona game and fish um, that I haven't had a chance to listen to yet. So I'd like, I'm going to, spend some time listening to that and understanding what their, what the issues are. Um, I'm not sure that it's completely in relationship to the, the deer population dropping. I think it has more to do with um, some anti hunting groups that are coming in yeah. and, and stirring up. Trouble. And they just did, they just put something forward in Colorado like a week ago that is very similar. So I think it's a, it's an anti hunting um, push from some groups. Um, is
2: my understanding, but I need to educate myself a little bit more on it first. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, as we, as we looked and refocused Pope and young with our three pillars that preserve, promote, and protect, that's the one thing that we see everywhere is, is these antis, they're not making a full frontal assault on stopping all hunting they're just chipping away at the edges and they're just taking it anything from, you know, in Colorado. Oh, let's, let's make the bow hunters wear orange and then over here. Well, we're just going to have it. So you can't hunt bears or Bobcats or cougars or, and they just chip away at the edges. And, you know, it's been an effective strategy because they, they sit there and they're like, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to attack the bear hunters. And then you have the, you know, the duck hunters and the deer hunters are like, well, I don't really hunt bears. That doesn't really affect me. And then all of a sudden they chip away a little bit more and a little bit more. And I think finally, after years and years of being kind of compartmentalized, I think we, as, as a hunting community have finally started to realize, you know what, as a bow hunter, I need to stand up with you know, the duck hunter and the bear hunter and everybody else, because we might be next and we're going to need them. So.
3: Yeah. And I think it's really important to, to not only pay attention to what's happening in your own state, but the state, all the states around you, because, you know, right now that on the Arizona issue, it's open for public comment. Well, that doesn't mean if you live in, if you live in Colorado, you can still, you know, go and, and make a public comment about them, um, um, you know taking away predator hunting here and so i think it's important for people to pay attention to other states as well because if it happens in the state next to you it's probably coming to you soon as well
2: it is it's like you know it's like covid it's going to just keep spreading and it's not going away this is something we'll be dealing with you know for the rest of our lifetimes and in, into the next one
1: when we when we put out the when we put out the you know, that Pope and Young was against Orange, I can't tell you how much, how many questions I got saying, I don't hunt in Colorado, why would I care? And I'm like, well, where do you hunt? And they would say, you know, Georgia. And I'm like, well, listen, man, it might not be you this time, but you're going to want the help from people in Colorado when it's your turn. Um, and so it, it, it's just that I'm going to give so I can get it back when it's my turn. Uh, because it wasn't long ago that Georgia, you know, was... was on the verge of losing bow hunting seasons in certain counties. And so you look at that and you're like, well, man, I, I know of plenty of bow hunters in Colorado who stepped in to speak up for you when your seasons were on the line. So why don't we step in and help them when their seasons are on the line? Because there's power in numbers, believe it or not. Um, I think they said, Jason, on that, uh, the the orange deer and bow hunting seasons in Colorado, I think they said there was 11,000 people step up in like a certain amount of like a few hours, um, to speak out against that. And that was obviously, um, took its toll. I mean, um, you know, we came out of that, I don't want to say victorious, but we came out of that, um, for the benefit of the hunter. So, yeah, I mean, when we step up and we stand up in numbers, it shows.
2: And that was a great partnership because, you know, Colorado bow hunters came to us and said, Hey, here's an here's an issue. You know, you guys are Pope and young. Can you stand with us on this? And we jumped at it. We're like, absolutely. What, what can we do to help? And so we, I mean, social media e-blast, we did the whole nine yards, got people, you know, excited and engaged. And, and then when it, it comes out favorable, it's, you know, it makes you even more powerful for the next one. Cause it's like, Hey, Hey, this can really work. If we stand together, if we partner with, with these other state and local organizations, we can actually affect change, which is exciting. Cause I think, I think in a lot of things today, you know, politics related, I I think a lot of people are just dejected where they just, they, they just feel like, Hey, my voice doesn't count. You know, I may vote, but if my vote gets counted, I'm not so sure it's actually making it to where it needs to be. And on, on things like this, we just, you know, you need those wins to keep the motivation.
3: Yeah.
2: It's kind of like when you're hunting, you you need that success every once in a while to make it a little bit easier to trek up the next mountain. I've only got so many mountain climbs in me where I can like go to the top of the hill and then like not see the elk that I was hoping to be there. And so if, uh, if I go up so many, you know, in a day or a week or or whatever span, eventually I've got to at least see or hear something to keep me in the game, to keep that motivation. Some guys don't need that, and some gals they just keep going. I've got to have a little. I don't have to, sh- you know, shoot one. I don't even have to get a shot opportunity, but I've got to see him or hear him or something. At least know that I'm in the game. <laughs> So you mentioned that red stag was, was one of your bucket list items. If if you had to create a top five for your bucket list, what would they be?
3: So I did, when I got diagnosed, I actually did create a bucket list and I knocked a few of them off, um, there. So I, um, I had, um, uh, alligator red stag in New Zealand, um, and zebra were my top three and I took a zebra with my bow and I took an alligator with my bow and I did it. I wanted to do spot and stock alligator on land, not shooting them out of a boat. So I did both of those. Um, and so red stag is my next, was my next thing that I really wanted. Um, so that would be my top three. If I had to add two more, um, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I, I would like to get a nice Mule deer, and when I say nice, it doesn't have to be a monster, but just a a, a respectable mule deer spot and stock would be awesome. Um, yeah. If I if I end up getting a, a little guy, that would fill the freezer too. But you know, a, a nice mule deer um, spot and stock would be um, a real um, accomplishment. I felt like, and um, I'd love to get an antelope with my bow, but um drawing an antelope tag in Arizona is is all. You got to wait a long, long time and
2: get a yeah. lot of points. So I'm gonna be waiting on that for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, Wyoming's welcoming people over there, and I I was just there last yeah. year and had a great hunt. I hunted with TJ over awesome. at Bear Track. So that's. I have uh, to look into
3: going
2: somewhere else. Yeah, I have a zebra story that that I I kind of got in trouble for my zebra because I went over and you know, I, I, it was not on my list. It was one of those things where I'm like, eh, zebra, I don't know. And my pH was like, oh, you need a zebra. And I'm like, no, man, I need like a whole list of other things first. And he kept trying to talk me into it, trying to talk me into it. And finally we got to the point where it, it didn't look like I was going to get a red heart of beast. And I was like, you know what? I'll tell you what you get me a red heart of beast. And then, then I'll get a a zebra. And he's like, "Okay." And so it all worked out and there's this this whole big thing where, you know, they had to call me, you know, your royal highness chief Jason for the rest of the hunt if I shot a zebra. <laughs> and it's finally like the all the pluses were stacking up in that column so good that I finally had to 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 get one. And I got a really nice, you know, kind of old older stallion. And uh I came back and I was showing, I had my iPad out and I was showing my little niece Aaliyah some of my Africa pictures. And I was like, oh, here's a kudu and here's a, you know, a heart of beast and, and oh, that's a, a Gimsbach and kind of going through all these things. And then we get to the zebra picture and you just see her eyes get big. And she's like, Uncle Jason, did, did you shoot a zebra? And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's the cutest little blonde-haired, you know, niece you've ever seen. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I you know, hon, I I did shoot a zebra. But I shot the bad zebra that was hurting the little zebras. And she's <laughs> like, okay. And so she went and later she told my mom, she's like, Grandma, Uncle Jason shot a zebra, but but it's okay. Cause he shot the bad zebra that was hurting the little zebras. And so <laughs> I, I got away with it for a while and, uh, and I, I, she didn't even tell her mom or her sister. Cause I'd have been in deep trouble with all of them, but uh, it's, they, they're, they're horse people. And that connection for horse people is just something that that's hard to get over. I thought
3: zebra meat was the most delicious um, African wild game that I had over there.
2: I've heard I'd that from a number of people.
3: So good. Yeah. I also, I, um, ostrich was on my bucket list of the bow and I did take an ostrich with my bow. Did you? <laughs> so that was another, I have these random things that I want.
2: <laughs> That's like, I, I mean, if we had to come up with somebody like if, if you pulled a thousand, bow hunters out there hey what's what's your top five bucket list i i don't know i'm trying to think of anybody that would even have like like red stag i could see that because that's like you know a big majestic red stag but then alligator that's not your your quintessential top you know five ostrich you know one same thing so i i applaud you for thinking outside of the box a little bit on this and and going with some stuff that's that's maybe non-traditional dylan we might get a really good answer for our question today yeah i'm kind of excited about this one now yeah i mean somebody who's picking an ostrich and an we might alligator, get several answers we might yeah so let me ask you this earlier you said you were talking about an arizona fish and game podcast outside of the pope and young podcast which is obviously your favorite what do you listen to some other ones
3: (laughs) um randomly i I don't have one that i don't wouldn't say that i have one that i consistently always um listen to but i have now you do friends that do (laughs) <laughs> now I do yeah. <laughs> um, but I um, like the um, I have some friends that do the Big Buck Registry um, podcast that um, I listen to that and um, generally it's you know if there's a certain topic or someone that I, that I want to listen to that um, then I would tune in you know if there's somebody on Joe Rogan or something that I want to hear then I would tune in there but not that I listen to consistently all the time
2: yeah and, and Joe, we're available just so if you're listening, you know, um, and Joe's a bow hunter. So you just never know one of the, we joke yeah. about it. You know, there's three things that could happen to the Pope and young podcast. Number one, someday we might get on Joe's show, which would be really cool. Cause we could talk yeah. about Pope and young, let people know that while they're out bow hunting, here's how that season got started. If it wasn't for Pope and young, you wouldn't be bow hunting. And then number two is someday, maybe just maybe we'll get diet due as a sponsor. And then number three, <laughs> and Dylan knows this because this is one of his favorites is, uh, you know what, the Uncrustables people, we're still waiting for that phone call because you know we love you and uh, we're all about Uncrustables now. So, yeah, keep the faith. So those are, those are three things that you just never know what might happen.
3: That's
2: right. Yeah. So I here's a question that we ask every guest on this show. And we've had some phenomenal answers throughout our time here. But what is one thing when, when you're out hunting, what is one thing kind of maybe a non traditional type item, so not a knife or or binoculars, what's something that you take with you that you wouldn't want to be up on the mountain or without?
3: Um, well, I can't go anywhere without, um, stuff related to my circulation and, and that includes like, it can be 55 degrees outside and I still have to have emergency, um, stuff for circulation for me. So I have a really fitted, um, thin heated vest liner that I wear under all my clothes and it's battery powered. I have that on for emergencies. If I have circulation uh, circulation shutdown, which I often do, so my Hands on my feet will, it's beyond cold. Like yeah. my hands and feet go, they turn like a white, a whitish green, like a dead person. Um, I, my face and, um, the pain is excruciating. So I have that so I can click it on an emergency. I always have, I would say eight to 10 hand warmers with me, um, at any given time that I can shove all over pockets, everything, um, hands, I have taped them to my face. Before literally, like, um, shove them into, um, you know, put a face mask on, shove them inside things to try to restart my circulation. So, um, and then, um, there's actually, um, Sitka makes this muff. Have you seen that? It's an incinerator muff, and it's, um, like the warmest thing you've ever seen. And you put hand warmers in there, and that thing I will clip that on me when I'm doing spot and sock. So, normally, people only use that for like if they're sitting in a tree stand or something, which I don't do a lot of that. I do almost all spot and sock. And um, I will clip that thing around me and wear it all the time. So I have it with me. And if I get pinned down or I'm spot and sock and I'm, and I'm in a spot where I can't get going and my circulation goes out of my hands, then I have that thing, you know, on my back and I can um, use it. So um, I'm, I have to carry a lot more, you know, I have to carry stuff for my breathing, all kinds of stuff. Um, so I have to carry a lot of medical stuff that most people don't um, carry with them. I just always have to have it with me.
2: You know, I had, uh, I used to have, uh, an electric hand warmer, uh, hand muff thing and it was made by Gerbing and I just took the little batteries and you turn that on and Ooh, boy, that thing was toasty worm. So I really, um, I wore two of those. If you,
3: like if you're, if you're doing, you know, if you're doing a spot and stock on a mule deer and it's four o'clock and it doesn't get dark till six and you start stocking in, there's a good chance you're going to get pinned down. The sun's going to drop and it gets cold really fast in the desert, yeah. like really fast. And um, you're going to get pinned down for an hour, hour and a half sitting on the ground. You know, you're you get cold so quick. So I always have all that stuff ready to, to bust out if I'm in that situation, which happens a lot. Yeah.
2: Well, I'm, I'm definitely excited to see, cause how long, how much longer does your season go down there
3: till the end of the month
2: in the end of January. So I'm excited to see what that produces for you.
3: Hopefully, I'm glad you're, you're more hopeful than me. I'm feeling a little <laughs> discouraged, but we'll see <laughs> if, if not, then this tag, you know, transfers, it just goes in August. So I'll have August okay. to, to get it done as well.
2: So, yeah. Well, ho- hopefully Steve's working with you on the deadlines. He always reminds us uh, the deadline was the 15th. And uh, <laughs> just so you know, the deadline was the 15th. I, I was like, I, I understand. The you. 15th of, the 15th a, of last month. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I'm a crunch time writer. I get without an article pretty quick. <laughs>
2: Yeah. See, and and I've had a few on on my column. I've had a few times where I'm like, Steve, I'm just I'm literally I'm waiting because if we get this person as a guest speaker, I want to announce that for the magazine, you know, for convention, or or if we get this person on as a corporate partner. A lot of times, I'll have a legitimate reason for waiting until the last minute. And then uh, sometimes I don't. I just miss the deadline, but I always appreciate him being flexible for me. And for something like that, I'm sure he'd extend it as much as he can.
3: He's been very generous with me. There's been a couple of times where if I'm like, I get really sick or I'm in the hospital or something and I'm like, I'm not going to have it done. And then I'll say, Hey, I've got a girlfriend who's a great, you know, bow hunter. And she just took this animal. Would it be okay if I had her write the article and I, I edit it, you know, and then I send it to you and maybe she can step in for me this month or something. And over the last seven years, there's been times when I had a death in my family and I said, I I can't do it right now. And so he's let me, um, you know, highlight some, some ladies that I think are awesome bow hunters too. So that's been really cool to give them opportunities.
2: Now, earlier you said that you're designing uh, clothes for ladies in the outdoors. Where do people go to, to find that?
3: Yeah, and so it's called Rockstarlet Outdoors. It's um just it's kind of um it's fun active wear. So I draw all the logos and everything myself, but it's um rockstarletoutdoors.com um or on Instagram or or Facebook and um yeah, it's fun. It's it, it's it's, I'm I've always been really creative and um artistic and so it's a fun outlet for me. I I literally draw and design everything. I pattern everything, all the fabrics I design myself, the website I do myself, like it's a one-woman show. But then I have, you know, some ladies that are on staff that help me out um, um, with marketing and stuff like that. But it's fun be- and it's something that I'm able to do even with this disease. You know, sometimes I have some I have some horrific flares. My whole face will swell up, my eyes will swell shut. I couldn't speak out loud for two straight months last year. Like not a word. Uh, My vocal cords were all jacked up. And so um, when flare bad disease flares happen like that, I can still be at my computer. I can still design. I can still do everything. So it's a way for me to keep working despite the disease. So um, that's been really positive for me.
2: Yeah. It's people don't understand how frustrating it is to have things like that happen. And it's, uh, You know, years ago, I had a surgery and it messed up the vocal cord nerve on one side and paralyzed paralyzed the vocal cord. And I literally couldn't talk for months and had to go to a speech therapist. And I sat down with this guy and he's like, All right, well, tell me, tell me, you know, a little bit about you. He says, You know, what do you do for a living? I'm "I'm a public speaker. He says, Of course you are. Let's get started. So it was, uh, and now i'm just glad
0: yeah now i'm glad to have
2: any voice i have i can so it's um people don't realize that
3: mine mine dips in and out occasionally but for the most part i've been i've been good since i we kind of figured out um what was what what was causing that and eliminated it but Um, That it's so frustrating. I'm sitting next to my husband on the couch, and I'm like texting him because I can't say anything to him. And we had a we were joking around, and I was saying, you know, this is every husband's dream: his wife is silent for two months.
2: (laughs) You know, yeah, but but then you can you know holler from the next room. Hey, do you want lasagna or tacos for dinner? You know, you'd have to text that. So I don't know that it's everybody's dream. Yeah. (laughs) So. Well, I'll tell you what, Johnny, thank you so much for jumping on with us today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I always enjoy your articles in The Ethic, and I hope everybody else out there is too. Next one's coming out shortly. And uh, we just wish you continued success, and I hope you continue battling and winning over your disease.
3: I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. It was really cool.
2: yeah and for for everybody else um you know what excuses stop here, get off the couch and go get it done Cause if if she can do it um overcoming those obstacles uh you can too, so anyway, Johnny, thanks so much for being here, and uh let us know shoot us a picture when you get that mule deer.
3: <laughs> I like your confidence, thank you yeah no
2: <laughs> no pressure. <laughs>